Hello, everybody, and welcome to your Final Score podcast, where you're listening to the final word on any and all debate in sports today. With you, as always, is your boy Wyatt and Matty P. Matty P, welcome back. Hey, what's up? It's been a, it's been a long couple of days, long couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been on. <laughs> Had to put some things off. Grad school got crazy. The COVID pandemic got crazy again. But uh, we're back to talk some uh, talk some more sports today. Uh, the NBA free agency has been huge already. It just started a couple days ago. There's been a lot of big names, signings, moves, acquisitions all over the league. We're going to break some of that down, some of our favorite moves, some of our not-so-favorite moves. Matty P is going to give us his take on the Olympics in Tokyo. And we're going to finish the day with a loaded NFL segment since NFL preseason is just around the corner. Matty P, before we do all that, and that was a mouthful, uh, <laughs> I want to gloat a little bit because the last time we talked, we were discussing if the Bucks were going to win Game Six or if the Suns were going to force a Game Seven, and we know how that ended up. Uh, I picked the Bucks uh, at the beginning of the series. I thought Milwaukee was going to get it done. They ended up winning four straight games and won their first title in 50 years, and I think they have earned the right for us to kind of pay them off, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. They they deserve the the win. They they uh, unfortunately. You know, I, I I picked the Suns, but I'm so glad that Giannis got their the the, the championship. I'm glad Chris Middleton um, kind of resurrected his uh, career a little bit too, and 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 they pulled it out. So, you know, Matty P, Milwaukee's championship is already kind of getting forgotten. It feels like with free agency being this big circus and a lot of names moving around, and you know, as soon as the Bucks won their championship, they were obviously People on NBA Twitter saying, oh, well, if Durant's foot wasn't so big, they wouldn't have beat the Nets. Or if they were healthy, they wouldn't have beat the Nets. And if the Clippers didn't lose Kawhi, they probably would have beat the Suns. And then the Clippers would have been in there. But to me, there's just a lot of what-ifs there, Matty P, that I really just don't care about. I just There's a part of me that when I look at this Milwaukee team, they remind me, and hear me out, and this, this has nothing to do with their skill set. This has nothing to do with the personnel. They remind me a lot of the 2015 Warriors and the way that they won their championship. Now, hear me out, Matty P. Both teams, the 2015 Warriors and the 2021 Milwaukee Bucks, both franchises had had some playoff success leading up to that title run. They'd both been battle-tested. They'd both been built through the draft, through free agency, the old-fashioned way. They both have stars. They both have great chemistry, good coaches. And they both got a couple of breaks in the playoffs. Going back to 2015, the Golden State Warriors beat the Pelicans with just Anthony Davis. They swept them in the first round. Then they played the Memphis Grizzlies with a banged-up Mike Conley. They dodged the L.A. Clippers that year, who blew a 3-1 lead to the Houston Rockets back when they just had James Harden and Dwight. And then, obviously, they got a chance to play the Cleveland Cavaliers without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. But they still won the title. And it still laid the foundation for future success in going to five straight NBA championships. And when you look at that team, when Steph Curry, who was still emerging in 2015, when he won that championship, he broke through the ceiling the next year. 2016 is the year they went 73-9, and and he was the unanimous MVP. Klay Thompson took another step. Draymond took another step. They were even better the year after when they lost the championship. 
Um, and then obviously it laid the foundation for Kevin Durant to come and, and then to be great. But the point I'm trying to make is Milwaukee has all the same fixings. Giannis is just as elite at his game, the way he plays, as Steph is as elite as his game in the way that he shoots threes, spaces the floor, runs point. Like, they're both elite at what they do, and they both ha- both teams have great supporting pieces. I think Milwaukee has just as much of an opportunity as the Golden State Warriors did back in 2015 if they want to, to create a dynasty of their own. Matty P., what do you say to that? I I definitely agree. I it's it was very awesome to see Giannis finally get his taste of success of of a championship. Chris Middleton got the, his first uh, taste of a championship, and that might well propel them to you know future success. You know five six years down the road. I mean, who's to say that that uh, the the Bucks can't win? back-to-back championships or that they're in the contention for a championship every year. I mean, they've always been in, in the contention for a championship the last three years. Um, they just have, haven't broke through that ceiling, like you said. And finally that they they, they have. Um, so now it's just a, a little bit easier on on how they approach the game. Um, they, they know what it is, how it, what it takes to win a championship. And again, like you said, Golden State, they went through you know, an easy route, I guess, in, in, in 2015. But once they won that championship, they they just soared after that. And they, they every game that they played, they had they had this mentality that they could win every game and that they were in it in every game. So Milwaukee finally wins a championship. They'll be able to next year, we'll, we'll see how they respond next year. Um, If they're, you know, like kind of like Toronto where they won a championship and they, and they, uh, maybe because Kawhi kind of left, but well, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. Because even Toronto, even Toronto, yes, they lost Kawhi. Toronto won more games the year after Kawhi right. Leonard. Yeah, like they they didn't play as the same length season because of COVID, but they won a higher percentage of their games, and they lost in the second round in a seven game series in the NBA bubble. Because which had we the, can all admit was right. a little weird. They had and they had the confidence. They, that's the thing. They had the confidence the the year after that. Even though they had the target on their back, they won the championship, and, and you know they are in in that elite group of franchises who who has won it in the last five years. So I think Milwaukee's in a, in a good good situation um, and a good uh, future ahead. I read a good story just to kind of put a button on this. There was an NBA executive that was quoted in a story I read. I can't remember who wrote it, but they said. There was an NBA GM or an NBA executive somewhere along the lines that said, I just watched Giannis figure it out, and I'm a little scared by it. Like Giannis, towards the end of that series against the Suns, he was figuring out how dominant he can be if he wants to be, Yeah. and it's a scary thing. Um, moving ahead, though, just as fast as everyone else discounts and moves after the NBA championship, we're going to jump right into NBA free agency. Well, Lots it, that, of big that, things going on. Yeah, that time period between the NBA finals and the free agency is that much shorter this year because of COVID. So, uh, yeah, next week right after, bam, we got free agency. Yeah, oh, by the way, Russell Westbrook's a Laker now. Yeah. Oh, by the way, oh, oh by the way, uh, they also got Mello. Oh, by the way... LeBron's building another championship team with Rob Palinka in a basement somewhere in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, Matty P, I am, you know where I stand with LeBron. I think everyone listening knows where I stand with LeBron. I think he's the greatest of all time. 
I think he's the greatest basketball player we've ever seen. <laughs> Until I see someone better, I think he's it. That's a debate for another podcast. <laughs> but what they are doing this offseason so far has got me really excited. I know there's a lot of critics about Russell Westbrook, his inability to shoot threes effectively, and the fact that he is very ball-centric and he's going to be playing with LeBron, who's also very ball-centric and very picky about who he gives opportunities to. But top three players on that roster, what do you think of that move with Russell Westbrook? I mean, if you look at that top, that uh, starting five, I mean, you have LeBron James, AD, uh, Malik Monk, Russell Westbrook, and I'm missing the last person. Who's the last person? Dwight Howard's coming back. Oh, Dwight Howard. Yeah, he got picked up. So that's, uh, I mean, if you looked at it like five years ago, that was an all-star, that was an all-star lineup right there. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting. I what Westbrook. He's went through it seems like every superstar in the league right now. I mean, he's ha- he's played with KD. Um, you know, he's played with uh, what Paul George, right? Yeah. And so and now he gets to play with LeBron, so uh and played with Harden. So it's it's going to be uh it's going to be fun to watch. I'm going to see I want to see that dynamic. I want to see that uh that the ego of LeBron and and Russell Westbrook. Um, go at it in in in, in Los Angeles and see. Um, LeBron's always going to win that battle. But uh, does Westbrook win a championship in in LA? I mean, that would be fun to watch. A part of me thinks, okay, yes, Russell needs the ball a little bit. Both of those guys, LeBron and Russell Westbrook, have kind of been the system in every team that they've played on. Um, they've, you know, ever since KD left Oklahoma City, Russ was the system, right? Everywhere he went, he was Mr. Triple-Double. He's going to carry the team regardless of who's around him. But when I look at the way the season ended for the Lakers, when AD got hurt and it was all on LeBron, who was also dealing with an ankle injury, there was no one to carry the load. And the perfect guy in the NBA to carry the load, carry a team on his back other than LeBron James, might be Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the guys that were available. I mean, I, like, this is a hot take, but what if you take Westbrook and put him on the second unit and come, make him come off the bench? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if he comes off the bench, but I understand what you're saying in the sense that whenever LeBron's not on the court, right. he needs to be out there. Yeah, that's what. Like, that's they what they I mean. can't. They can't take breaks at the same time. Right, but they have the ability to do that this year, or so that's going to be it's going to be exciting to watch a Lakers game, like. I just I like Westbrook and how fiery he is, and then obviously like I'm, you know, not anti LeBron, but you know I always give you crap about LeBron. So uh, to have those two guys on the same team with Anthony Davis, and sprinkle in a little Dwight Howard, it's gonna be an exciting year for Los Angeles. And when you look at the other side, you know a lot of people are gonna say Brooklyn should still be the favorite, just because similar to the Lakers, they have all that talent in the East. I know Milwaukee's sitting on top with the championship, but healthy. That Brooklyn Nets team still looks very dangerous. Yeah. Um, actually, my uh, my coworker Kyle Parsons just sent me a text right before we started the show, Matty P. The top five players in the NBA in terms of active career scorers are all on those two teams: LeBron, Melo, Durant, uh, Harden, and Russ. All five are the top five scorers active in career scoring, and they're on both of those teams. Wow. That's nuts. That is crazy. I mean, that's that's some fireworks. Do you, do you know who uh, I like? You know the additions on the free agent this year. I, I mean, we're talking about the Nets. I like the the move that they made with Patty Mills. 
from you know they 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 added a guy another ball handler uh, alongside was Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant that just adds like adds that edge another edge player that like Patty Mills has always been great coming out of uh, St. Mary's College in California he 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 was he was one of my favorite players coming out of college and then he went to the system down in, in San Antonio he flourished down there and he's not going to give you like 25 a night but he does all the little things he plays great defense he gives you like 15 points a game he gives you like you know six assists four rebounds you know just the dirty work and that those are the types of guys that the Nets need alongside their pretty boys <laughs> I, I call it but uh yeah I really like that move that just like Kylo Lowry as well the same similar type of player at the heat uh they, they picked up um this week as well so um I, I really I really like those two moves that the, the heat and and the Nets did this week yeah no I agree with you on Kyle Lowry I think it's it's a move that Miami needed to make. They came out a little flat after that championship run in the bubble, and Lowry brings that championship experience and you know brings that leadership mentality at the point guard position. It's somebody that Jimmy Butler trusts. They're, they're really good friends from what I hear, and uh, I think he fits that heat culture and that heat system. I don't think it's going to be hard for him to adapt down there in Miami. Um, Matty P., I heard some moves you don't like. Are there any moves that you were kind of puzzled by um, in the NBA free agency? Yeah, I I was a little puzzled by the Lonzo Ball like move because it's not that I discredit Lonzo Ball and his what he brings to the Bulls, but at what price? Like he he his his uh trade or his his deal is four years, eighty five million dollars, and yeah he he's been averaging fifteen points, he's been averaging four assists, you know, and, and he he if five, or actually four it's fifteen five and five, which is which is great. But like, I just don't see Lonzo Ball meshing well with Demar Derozan and Vucevic, uh, and then now Alex Caruso, I guess, got picked up again today too. So, like, I, I I get the whole point of Lonzo Ball being a distributor, and maybe that's all he's there for, um, for those for Demar Derozan, for Vucevic. But if you want to get like consistent offense. I don't know if Lonzo Ball is the answer, uh, and then you have Zach Levine too. Is what I forgot. So, what, what do you think about that? Well, I think I I think it just comes down to what are we defining Lonzo? Like, how are we defining Lonzo Ball? What are our expectations? Because he was a number two overall pick, second pick by the Lakers, and he ended up going over to New Orleans in a trade piece for Anthony Davis. And no, he hasn't. Because when you think number two overall pick, you're thinking perennial All Star you know, best player or second best player on a championship yeah, team. Fr- franchise guy. Probably averaging like over 20 a game, which yeah. is not what he is. You know, he, he really is not that. But I don't think I hate the move. I agree maybe he was priced a little high, but mm-hmm. I think his skill set does fit the roster around him. Uh, DeRozan's a guy that has averaged 20 a game is pretty much his whole career. And his assist numbers went up in San Antonio because he was the only guy that Pop really trusted with the ball in his hands at some time. He was kind of facilitating a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, so I think that takes the pressure off of him to run the offense and be more of a go-get-a-basket type of guy. And you pair that with Levine, who's a 42% shooter, a guy who can get his own shot if he wants to, but can also space the floor. Uh, I love Vucevic down there. He's a guy that's been forgotten down there in Chicago. 
Uh, and our Florida State guy, Patrick Williams, played really, really well last year in spurts defensively. So I the, the, the reason I like the move more so is because I think it's more of a play for Chicago to be like, hey, we have a really solid star in Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do something and add formidable pieces around him, he's gonna leave. Like we, like we can't, we can't waste his talent because yeah. Zach Levine is an emerging star. Uh, Twenty-seven a game, fifty percent shooter. As I said, forty percent shooter from three. He's a vertical player. He plays at the rim. I mean, he is an emerging star, and they can't afford to waste his talent. So to bring in a guy like DeRozan, to bring in a guy that can run the offense and get Zach Levine the ball. And to have a centerpiece in the middle with Vucevic, I think the Bulls are moving in the right direction. They're good enough to be a playoff team in the East. I don't think they're going to beat Milwaukee. I don't think they're going to beat Brooklyn. But they're a team that they, they can, can mix it up eight. with Atlanta. Yeah. They can mix it up with Atlanta. They could mix it up with Philadelphia. I mean, they could mix it up with the Knicks. So I just think they have a lot of good pieces that can win. And I, I do think the pieces fit. I really do. One yeah. move I do hate, Matty P, a little bit of recency bias on their part. I don't <laughs> like Chris Paul resigning with the Suns. Yeah, I don't. I, I, like, I don't like that was, one either. It's, it was like a four-year deal, like 120 million dollars or something, something ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah. they're they're gonna owe him money till he's 40 years old, Matt. Yeah, if you if you if you listen to my if you listen to the podcast earlier of how high I was on Chris Paul, that doesn't mean that he should get paid as much money as he did as at what 39 years old. <laughs> so it just it's it's ridiculous because the, and again I I, I understand. Like he, I I believe he was the reason they got where they got this year. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he helped them get to that next point. I think Devin Booker has now gotten to the point where he can carry the team and be the guy that gets them back to the playoffs if he needs to. Mm-hmm. But this contract for Chris Paul, they're gonna have to re-sign DeAndre Ayton next year. They're gonna have to sign an extension for him. What happens when McCall Bridges' contract is over? How are you gonna pay him? How are you gonna pay Cam Johnson? Yeah, some of your role. How, players, how you gonna pay? Yeah. How, how you gonna pay campaign? Yeah. So I I love Chris Paul, but I don't think Chris Paul, at this point, is worth that kind of money, especially to a team who's got to pay their other young guys to keep that core together. Like I I, I don't I don't love it. I, I think there's so much of it. Like oh, we're, look what Chris Paul did this year. Da da da. Like he again. I don't want to harp on it, but they beat the Lakers without AD and LeBron at 100%. They beat the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. They beat the Clippers without Kawhi, barely. So the Suns, as great as they were this year, there's a little bit to it where there was there was a lot of dominoes that fell. And I think Chris Paul showed us at the end of the finals, like, he was losing a little bit, you know? I, I don't know. I don't love it. Yeah, I don't I, I, I don't like it either. I mean, I, I like Chris Paul, but I don't like the move. I don't like the move. You know what I do love? I think the the Warriors locking up Steph Curry, one of the best shooters in the game. God, no, no doubter. No brainer, <laughs> Matty P. I thought it was a fantastic move by that organization. First class. Awesome. Thank God they locked him up. Awesome um, well, we're going to take, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking some Olympics. I'm uh, very excited about it. Tokyo Olympics. A lot of drama. Uh, we'll get right to it, but stay, stay with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to your Final Score podcast. Uh, Matty P, before we jump into the NFL, because I'm really excited about it, it's just, we're in the thick of training camp, we're right around the corner from the preseason, but I know you're a big Olympics guy. I haven't been as good about watching it this year. I know you're an Olympics nerd, so just take us through yeah. some of the things that have uh, impressed you so far in Tokyo. Yeah, I just want to do some little highlights I mean, in case you guys missed it. I know the time change for Tokyo is like what thirteen hours ahead. So very hard to watch. The, very hard to keep everything up. that yeah everything that happens is literally either on a tape delay or if you want to stay up till about three o'clock in the morning, then uh, then you watch it. But I really enjoyed uh, swimming. Just finished and the the American uh, swimming uh, team did really really well this year. Uh, Caleb Dressel uh, showed why. Uh, like he's the best in the world. Uh, Ledecky also showed why she's the best in the in the world. Dressel had five gold medals. Ledecky with two golds, two silvers. I don't know if anybody watched the the four by one relay in in swimming. Um, but it was the American. I'll do a little play by play. So the Americans uh, were in lane one, which is the worst position uh, in the finals. Um, they barely got in uh, from the semifinals based on their time. Um, they were underdogs for the first time in like 60 years. Yeah, I think it was 60 years. Um, they, the uh, the British actually were supposed to um, be the favorite, and the team of uh, Caleb Dressel, Andrew, uh, and then uh, Ryan Murphy, home, hometown kids. Uh, they they all did their relay, and it was the the pressure the pressure of winning. The, the the four by one relay since 1964 that was that was we won it since 1964 and it was amazing to watch them come back uh especially on andrew's uh, leg of, of the race uh dressel fi- uh, finished it in the third leg and and it was literally awesome to watch how we were the underdogs for the first time in 60 years and we we pulled out the gold um i <laughs> even throughout the first like week um i I always try to catch and watch the uh, table tennis and badminton, handball, water polo. Those are all the all odd sports that you don't really get to watch, you know, on normal TV. And uh, I was I was really enjoyed watching table tennis and I really and, and badminton especially. Um, I, I forget how fast paced those those games are. And uh, we didn't do very well um, in 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 badminton and table tennis, but we're we're not expected to. I mean, it, it's a very Asian dominated sport, um, but I I really enjoyed watching that, and I found I have a new found interest too. Uh, I don't know if you if you uh, why if if you have a new found interest because you have you been watching it at at, at all? Any, no, no, any, I, any I, odd sports that you? That, I, I mean, I, I watched gymnastics is yeah. really the one that I okay. watched. Well, I, I started watching archery. Oh yeah. And I loved archery, man. Like I it did brings catch some of that. It brings me back to when I was throwing darts back in Palace. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know about the Palace, I won't go into detail. Yes. If you if you know about the Palace, you know about the Palace. If you don't, yeah. we won't I d- speak. I just want darts to be an Olympic sport, um, just because you know all the times we had at the Palace. But it just reminded me when I was watching archery and uh, the the team of USA. They 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 had a they were in neck and neck. I think it was with the Turkish team, and my God, like it was just so intense, and I was like, "Wow, like you're you're shooting a, an arrow, like how intense can you be?" But they, I mean, it's literally it was awesome to watch. It really was. Um, I like watching odd sports. I like 
I even watch like in billiards and stuff like that, but uh, which is not an Olympic sport. But that's yeah, I was I was excited, man. I was excited to watch this. Um, you're talking about gymnastics, the whole uh, with Simone Biles and and how that whole thing went down with uh, the mental health issue is 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 crazy. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I, I'm 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 proud of Simone Biles for what she did. Yeah, I know there have been a lot of people on, you know, sports talk radio or, you know, Twitter or whatever that have been posting videos or, or been you know, been talking about it and saying that she let down her country by stepping out of the event and, you know, she she let her team down and all these things and I'm like, dude, if you're not mentally ready, I feel like it's more admirable to step out and allow one of your alternates to step in and compete. Yeah, I feel like you hurt your team more if you're not in it. Right, and, and, by, and, if, by, if, and by stepping down, like she allowed for other players or other gymnasts to like compete, and you know, Jade Carey went on to win gold in artistic gymnastics well, um, on the floor routine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like other other athletes were able to compete and 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 you know win, and I just the the heat that she's getting for what she's doing, I think, is despicable. I think mental health is a, is an inc- is a huge topic, and it's it's a lot of people. I re- I really believe a lot of people in the world don't believe in mental health. Like yeah. I feel like that's like that's a real thing. Like people just don't believe in it, or right. people think it's it's not legit, and it is. And you know, if you're not mentally right, especially in gymnastics where you're fucking flying through the air, like <laughs> spinning right. upside down, like you have to mentally be prepared for that. And if and mentally and, and, tough yeah, for that. If you ever feel like you're unsafe, to, and that's. The, and that's the whole thing about Simone Biles. She felt she they she had the twisties. You know she she felt un, un unsafe when she was doing the routine routines. Simone Biles is doing the most dangerous, um, you know, uh, routines out of all of those girls, and because she does it a hundred ten percent, she tries things that no one else does. She has different routines named after her because of it, and and for her, she would never do something that was you know, a uh, less execution or less difficulty because she's the best in the world. Like if she's going to do it, she's going to do it a hundred percent. And for her to feel, you know, unsafe to do a routine. I respect that. I respect her to say, no, I, I'm not going to do that. Like it's mental health is a real thing. It really is. But yep, I agree. I, I'm proud of her for doing it. I think it sets a precedent, uh, for athletes to prioritize their mental health. Yep. Um, I think athletes too often, especially male athletes, I mean, are expected to just push through it and like not show any weakness at all or not, and, you know, just always be tough and, you know, always just go through everything and like not worry about it. And it's like, no, like there, there are legit concerns. Right. Like you have to mentally be a hundred percent, just like you have to be physically a hundred percent. Um, you know, guys playing football, you know, if you're, you're out there running around half speed that's more dangerous than going full speed. Right. You know, if you're, if, if you're an offensive lineman and you're not mentally in it, you're going to leave a running back out there to drive to get blasted. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's dangerous to not go hundred percent in both mental and physical health when, when you're in athletics. But, uh, but yeah, couldn't yeah. be prouder. Yeah. Keep watching the Olympics guys. Uh, track is going on right now. I know, you know, Canada, the Canadian or no, the, the Italian guy won the hundred meter uh, dash and, it will, and then on the Jamaican um, 100 meters, all three girls from Jamaica uh, swept the podium, you know, gold, silver, and bronze. 
So that was exciting to watch. So there's definitely a lot more different blood in uh, in track and field this year. Um, but yeah, like I said before, the consistency of USA swimming is just fun to watch and really enjoy. Really enjoyed it. We're going to go ahead and go into the final segment of our show. We did a little exercise a couple years back. We predicted the best quarterbacks under 25. We won't go into detail about who we picked, but there were some guys we picked that were on the money, and there are some guys that we picked that were not on the money. I may or may not have said that I liked Carson Wentz to be the best quarterback in five years. Matty P may or may not have said Mitch Trubisky to be the best quarterback in the next five years. Either way, we've all taken I our I didn't lumps. say he was going to be the best. I thought You yeah, said he was he, top five? Top five. You said top five, which is what we're gonna do now. Uh, we're gonna change our we're gonna change our rankings a little bit. So the last exercise we're gonna do today, uh, Matty P, I want to talk about who we think the best five quarterbacks over the next five years are gonna be. Not regard it's regardless of age. We're talking specifically about production. We're talking wins, uh, Super Bowl aspirations. If you could basically pick five quarterbacks and their situation. Who would you bet on? Who are your top five guys? I mean, obviously, if Tom Brady's, you know, playing at 51. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, if we can confirm that Brady will play until he, like, dies on the field. <laughs> then that, then I will take him. But, yeah, so I would, I'm going to go number one, Patty Mahomes. I think he's a pretty consensus number one. As, is that yeah. who your number one is? Yeah. I agree with you on Mahomes. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to go with Josh Allen. I think I th- I don't think that his breakout year – was a fluke. I think he's the real deal. He makes all the throws. He can run the ball. He's he's just a playmaker out there. And he had like that. He had some play, playoff woes in the sense that he was making some bad decisions. But I think he's cleaned that up. And he, you know, look what he's done when he actually makes um, fine-tuned decisions on the field. He he can be lethal. You know, he has probably him and Mahomes have the best arms in the league. Um, and then we have Kyler Murray, who's kind of an X factor. He's got to take that next step. I think he does. I think he does. Um, it's about Cliff Kingsbury putting Kyler Murray in, in situations where he can succeed. Because Kyler Murray is one of the best athletes in the in the actual in, in the NFL, regardless of position. And I think he's, you know, one of the best throwers too. So he's 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 a do it all for Arizona. And uh, I think he's going to take that next step in the next five years. Uh, number four, I'm going to go Justin Herbert. Again, I don't think that last year was a fluke. I think he takes the, the next step. I think it's he's, they'll be consistently in the playoffs, and, and I think they can contend um, for a championship, not this next year, but in the next like three to four years, um, I think Her- Herbert and the Chargers uh, will be the real deal. And then I have Baker Mayfield. Um, which is kind of, you know, people don't like him sometimes and sometimes, but I think last year it showed what, who he really is. I think he's a great, um, leader in a sense that he can really, uh, corral his guys around him. And he had some people who was playing some of the best football, um, in the last, uh, uh, five games of the season last year. And I think that he just, I think he'll take that next step for uh, the Browns and the Browns will be consistently in the playoffs, um, which is a something that we never thought we would say about 10 years ago, Browns being the consistently in the playoffs, but um, Baker Mayfield has really turned them around. um, And they've, they've uh, added some pieces for, for, uh, for him to succeed. So I think it's a mixture of 
will these guys get the pieces that they need to succeed? And I think these guys are set up for success, in my opinion. Yeah. No, Matty P, I think uh, our top two are the same. I think there are two guys that you missed, um, in my opinion. I, I So I'm, I'm taking Mahomes one, Allen two. Number three, I'm still taking Russell Wilson. Um next five years. Um, I know I think a part of the reason he's not on your list is just because he is one of the older guys in the league. But talk about a guy who's been super consistent and probably the best quarterback in his division, mm-hmm. which I think makes you much like Mahomes, much like Josh Allen. If you're the best quarterback in your division, you're going to be in the playoffs every year because you're probably going to win the division. I think Russell Wilson has done everything he's been supposed to do. He's made the playoffs all but one year in his career. Uh, one of the most accurate throwers of the football, uh, one of the best deep ball throwers in the in the league, and he's got the weapons. He's got DK Metcalf, who really took the next step. Tyler Lockett, who's been as consistent as any receiver in football with his quarterback. Uh, that that duo has been great for a long time. Um, you know, Seattle's defense definitely needs a revamp to help him. But I think Russell Wilson. I think even even in his age, I think I would still take him as my quarterback in the next five years. Okay. Um, number four. Uh, this might be a little bit more bold. Tack Prescott. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. he's, I, probably, I like, he's probably my sixth guy. He's he's up cause, there. Because with yeah. Dak, I mean, people can say what they want to say. They can they can laugh about the Cowboys. Dak Prescott. Let me just pull up the notes I have from earlier. I mean, Dak Prescott. You look at his his resume. He's been two playoff appearances, two Pro Bowls, forty two and twenty seven as a starter. And through five games last year before he got hurt, had 1,800 yards, nine touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. And he's getting to play with Zeke, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. And I just, like, when you look at the offensive firepower on the Cowboys, I mean, Dak Prescott has all the opportunities to play at the same level he was at. Now, can he stay healthy? I don't know. But he has been pretty durable for the most part, aside from last year. Yeah. Um. And he has won games, and I think he's got a good situation, especially, like I said earlier, I, I think he, he he might be the best quarterback in that division. you know. So I think that leads him to have the best chance to make the playoffs. Uh, number five, it's, it's really hard for me. Number five, uh, I'm kind of going back and forth with two guys. Um, it's really hard for me to not pick Lamar Jackson. <laughs> uh, because Lamar Jackson, you know, I think he's – I think he's great in the regular season. He obviously hasn't won a playoff game yet because I think he, I don't think he shrinks, but I think defenses just take away what makes him great yeah. in the playoff game. They figure um, him out in a sense. I'm not saying he's he can throw the rock, like yeah. I know he can throw the rock, but he I think he throws the rock better when he has the ability to run, mm-hmm. and when the defense takes that away from him, and he has to, and he knows he has to sit there. I think that tenses him up a little bit, and he's got to get over that. Like he's got to learn, hey, dude, you gotta, you know. And maybe that maybe I'm a little tough on him, and that's why I'm not putting him in my top five. Um, I'm gonna go with Kyler Murray because I think Kyler Murray has, you know, he's not the best quarterback in his division, but when you look at who he's playing with and the guys he's throwing to, and just the fact that he's improved every year, I'll take Kyler Murray the next five years. I think he is more accurate of a thrower than Lamar Jackson with all the same mobility. Yeah. And he's, he gets to play a, with... He's just a he baller. Gets, 
you know. And he gets to play with DeAndre Hopkins, who I think is probably the best receiver in football. And AJ Green. Outside of outside of maybe yeah, AJ Green. AJ Green's gonna be uh pouring Gatorade for uh Larry Fitzgerald, who's still playing. Uh but yeah, I mean you look at the weapons that they have there. Uh they also signed I think they signed James Conner to support uh Chase Edmonds at running back. So I mean it's it's tough. It's a tough pick between Murray and Jackson, but I think I'm gonna take Murray. Yeah. Well, Matty P, that pretty much wraps up our show. Thanks for chilling with me today. Thanks for talking NFL. It's been it was fun talking NFL. I haven't been able to talk about that in a long time. Ready for football season, man. All right, Matty P, good talking to you. I'll talk to you later, man.